Welcome to Legacy Therapy, the podcast that will teach you, in bite-sized chunks, how to leave a stress-free legacy so loved ones can focus on people, not paperwork, when you become ill or pass away. Here is your host and financial advocate, Stacy golden Lisnock. Hello, and welcome to this episode of Legacy Therapy, Planning Techniques for a Stress-Free Legacy. This is Stacy Golden-Lisnock, and I'm your financial advocate. And today I have a special guest, Francesca Vanderwall, and she is going to share with us a personal story. And this is a story that I cringe when I hear about this, uh, specific to the fact that she was being raised by a single parent. And then the most unthinkable happened. So I don't know the story right now. So it's going to be a surprise to me, um, but I'm really anxious to hear. And I really appreciate you being willing, Francesca, to, to share this with the listeners, because I'm hoping that any single parent out there will really take to heart what could happen and then what did happen in your case so that they won't repeat this um, and have things happen to their children that they wouldn't ever want to be their story. So I'm going to let you take it away and um, maybe interrupt you here and there. And, 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 uh, but I want to hear what you have to say. So go ahead. Yeah. Well, first of all, thank you for having me on today. Um, I think it's really challenging sometimes to kind of look back on life and figure out some of the moments that molded you into who you are, what kind of person you became. Um, But for me, In my very formative middle school years, um, I I definitely had a very sharp right turn. Um, So my my parents got divorced when I was three. That's no secret. Um, And unfortunately, my father and I became estranged in late elementary school, early middle school. Um, We had been seeing each other with visitation purposes, but things happened and we, we weren't in touch. And he lived out of state. Um, And it really was just my mom and I. And as a single parent, um, I'm sure a lot of the listeners out there know there's a lot on your plate. You know, you are you are being both mom and dad. You are working full time. You're trying to take care of yourself. You're trying to take care of your child. And unfortunately for me, um, the world kind of fell out from under me um, when I was 13. Um, It was uh, December 20th, to be specific, 1998, Mm -hmm. and my mom went into an asthma attack. Um, She had been a lifelong asthmatic, um, you know, was on medication and whatnot, but her rescue inhaler was not working. Mm -hmm. And being the only other person in the house, I had to call the ambulance. And um, I I had the sense to put my dog into the bathroom and kind of close the door so he he'd be out of the way. And you know, police officer came, started administering oxygen. Mom wasn't coming back around. So um, ambulance shows up. Um, I'm standing out on the front porch to, to flag them down. We get loaded in. I ride over to the hospital. My mom's immediately taken into ER. And I'm left in the waiting room. Um, I, I, I called my aunt and uncle to let them know what was going on. My mom's sister. And I knew that one of my friends, um, had their phone number in the phone book and they had a phone book available because, well, it was 1998 and there were still phone books. Um, and so I was able to flip through and find her number and leave, leave it an answering machine message. 
um, to just say that if they happened to be home, if there was any chance that they could come over to the hospital because I was sitting there by myself and I didn't know what was going on and I just, I needed a friend. Um, they kept working on my mom for several days, um, but unfortunately the day after Christmas, um, they had finished running all of their tests and she was brain dead. And so it made no sense to keep her on life support because for us in, in our view, that's not living. And that's not to insult anybody who makes a different decision for, for their family. Um, so there I was, I, you know, crying my eyes out, my, my best friend, my world had left. Um, you know, I, I went and stayed with my aunt and uncle. Um, and then it became not a, Hey, we're just hanging out and doing Christmas and whatnot, you know, until your mom gets better. Now it's, Oh, what do we do now? And, um, so over the next two and a half years, um, there is a custody disagreement because I was interested in living with my aunt and uncle. Um, and my father was interested in having me come live with him and his new wife because, you know, I was his daughter. I mean, it totally made sense, but, you know, based on everything that had happened previously, that wasn't where my interests were at that time. Um, and so, you know, a <laughs> uh, lot, lots of issues with the courts, um, you know, court ordered therapy, trying to assess whether I was mature enough to be able to make my own decisions, assessing my aunt, uncle to make sure that they were going to be fit guardians for me. Um, did they, they ever have that, children? Did your aunt and uncle have children? They did, but older. Um, you know, my, uh, they had children. Well, they had a, a child, my cousin, earlier mm -hmm. in life. Mm -hmm. My mom had me later in life. So there, mm -hmm. there's, there's a 20-year age gap. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, long story short, it was two and a half years. Um, it took... A lot of time, a lot of effort. And, you know, if I'm being kind of glib about it, a lot of money, you know, that if things would have been handled differently, that money could have been available to me for college or down payment on a house or a car or a wedding or, you know, anything else that would have happened. Um, fortunately, we had good uh, financial advisors in our corner. They set up a trust for me and I was able to take over my own portfolio when I was 21 and I didn't blow it all. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's a good story right there. That's a good story. Wow. Yeah. So the money, so did it cost your, your father money and your aunt and uncle money? I mean, was, where there was money on like attorneys and all of that? Yes, yeah. absolutely. Because both of them were, you know, represented with legal counsel, um, you know, because this was happening in Northwest Indiana um, my father, you know, had some traveling expenses because he was in the, the northwest suburbs of Chicago. Um, you know, I can't talk about, you know, lost, you know, time and wages or anything like that. You know, right. they're, they're, they're both white collar professionals, but, you know, certainly a very exhausting process for both sides to have to, um, again, pay for legal representation and go through filing fees and, at one point, I don't think it was considered a home appraisal, but it was like a home inspection on making sure that it was a living environment for me to be in. So complicated. Yeah. Did they take your dog too? Uh, yes. Um, <laughs> unfortunately, uh, Smokey eventually uh, ran away 
Um, oh. Yeah, I know. It's just, don't don't let my story be a total bummer. Um, you know, he he was confused. You know, it wasn't his his normal living environment, and you know the, the back door was left open at one point, and he got out and didn't know where he was and didn't come back. Um, I like to think that because. Um, I was in a rural part of Northwest Indiana that somebody just, you know, took one look at that sweet little puppy face, or it wasn't a puppy, but sweet little doggy face and, you know, just took him in and maybe he became a barn dog or maybe he, you know, moved into somebody's house with them. But um, yeah. Yeah. yeah, so. So you lost your mom and your dog. Yep. Um, I, I think if my truck would have broken down, I'd be ready to write a country song. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm glad you have a sense of humor about it. But so you were one of the lucky ones. It sounds like you weren't put into foster care or anything like that while the battle was going on. They let you stay with your aunt and uncle. Is that correct? Yeah. Is that because you were in school and it would have taken you out of your school or what was the rationale behind that? Oh, no, I, I was a completely different county over from where I had been. I, I moved in the middle of eighth grade. You know, oh. I, I finished up one semester um, in Lake County, Indiana, and then started the next semester of eighth grade in Porter County, Indiana. Oh, wow. Yeah. Wow. What would you say your mental state of mind was during all that? Cause that, you know, to move, to move a teenager out of their, you know, comfort zone and all the kids they know and go, and then now you're the new kid. Like what was your state of mind and all of that? It was hard. You know, I don't think anybody really likes being the new kid. Um, but it wasn't even like I was one or two towns over. I was in a completely different school system that, you know, required at least a half an hour drive to be able to, you know, come home. Um, and so it was something that, you know, while I got to, you know, stay in contact with some of my old friends, really the priority was making new friends and starting over in a life without my mom. Yeah. Wow. Now, when she, you say she had this lifelong asthma situation, did she know that it could potentially be like fatal at some point, or was she kind of thinking she was managing it fine? I mean, she was under good medical care. Um, She hadn't experienced a life-threatening asthma attack, you know, in the 13 years prior that I was around. Um, But, you know, unfortunately too, it was one of those things that down the road, they found out that the asthma medication that she was on um, could increase the risk of a life-threatening asthma event. You might have heard it on the commercials on TV. So. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. I, sometimes the, the, what do they say? The cure is worse than the, how does that go? Oh, I I know what you're trying to say. Uh, The the cure can be worse. Well, you know, you read all of those uh, warnings on all the medications. Like, why would I take this? It's like all these things that could happen are so much worse than what's going on now, right? But the doctors are so easy. They they just want to give you prescriptions. Even just now, but. And they they didn't know, you know, and that's something that I don't think that you can really find Mm -mm. fault with. Like they were giving her the best asthma medicines that were available on the market at the time based on what they knew and and that's all you can do i mean you can only deal with what you have available and so if it if it made those years work but then it was causing this underlying thing you had no way of knowing but so did your was your mom like pretty organized with things or was was there i mean i know you were still just a child not a child but you know you weren't you weren't an adult in the situation but 
did you hear ramblings of, of things like they had to go close down the house or was it apartment or were it, we was, it was actually two homes. It was our family home and then our, our cottage in Michigan as well. Um, and no, she, she wasn't organized. She, um, and for, unfortunately, uh, her mom, my grandma had passed away two years prior and was living with us. And so when grandma passed away, kind of the household operations, um, fell on her shoulders. And I just think it was a little bit too much for her to try to adjust to because, you know, like her mom was her best friend and, you know, she provided some, you know, backup parenting resources. I always had somebody, you know, when I got home from school to talk to, to help me with my homework and whatnot. So. Yeah. Wow. I know it's been a while. So what is it like, tw- what is it? 23 years or something? It'll be 23. Something like that. I know it's more but I've definitely spent way more of my life without my mom than I Mm. had with her. And that's, Mm. that's not fair, but I don't think the universe cares about fair. No, no. Well, at least she left you here to help other people. Right. So your, your experience is, is, is I'm hoping people that are single parents will realize that they have a little extra burden because there isn't that safety net of a second person that can just sort of take over. Um, and it happens not necessarily like a, like with your mom, but I mean, people can become, can become ill and then they need to be cared for. And, um, and if you have a, like a youngster at home, I don't know, just becomes very difficult. So what, are, what else can you um, offer up? I mean, it's, it's such a, it's such a, it's such a sad story. It really is. But did you meet other kids? Have you ever come across other people with a similar story? You know, I haven't met anybody in quite the same circumstances that has, you know, had to relocate um, due to the death of a parent. And in my case, not having um, another parent actively involved in their life at that time. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do think that when you think about just, you know, adults in general, single parents, especially, you know, if you are over the age of 18, you need to get a healthcare power of attorney because that's going to be the only way that anybody can make medical decisions on your behalf when you can't do it. Um, you, you know, if you are married, you know, put together some, some paperwork, you know, I, I, I'm not an attorney and I don't play one on TV either, but you know, will trust whatever your estate planning attorney tells you to do, go do it and make sure that the accounts are in the right name and that people that you know and can be trusted know where that information is available. You know, we, we have a binder. Um, I actually was talking to an estate planning attorney last week and he pointed out that people aren't getting rushed to the hospital you know, at 11 o'clock Tuesday morning, usually, you know, they're getting rushed to the hospital at 3 a.m. Sunday morning when you can't get into the bank to get into your safety deposit box. Um, You know, it's not convenient working hours to be able to, you know, call an attorney and have things faxed over or whatnot. So like have that stuff ready and have people know where it is so that if something does happen to you, and I probably hope that it doesn't, but the people that you're leaving behind or that are trying to take care of you don't have to struggle as hard. They can just focus on the emotional struggle of the experience and not the 
legal, medical, ethical, all of those parts of this that we don't think about until it happens. And then we become cognizant. And then, you know, we want to do better for us, but also, you know, somebody like me, I want to do better for other people. And I want to kind of get the message out that these things don't have to be super complicated. They don't have to be super time consuming, but they are beyond important. And please, please, please just get it done. You know, if there's anything that we've learned over the last year of this pandemic is that life is short, life is unpredictable. And if we stick together, we can get through a lot. So please take care of your families. They, they love you and they will be really, really happy in retrospect if you've got things put together. Yeah, that's excellent. I mean, that's all really great advice. And I'm, and I'm doing my part too, because I, I created a course, an online course, got it together, emergency info file. And that's what it is. It's like, if something happens to you today, an accident, an illness or passing away, right? What is it your family needs to know, like right now? What do they need to be able to be able to get into, to be able to pay the bills, to be able to call off appointments that you might have on your schedule? Um, all of the things that you're not really sharing with anybody at all. I mean, I know it for a fact because it happened to me. <laughs> so, so when I got sick, nobody knew how to pay the bills. Nobody knew how to do anything. And I'm thinking, boy, I've really, I've really crippled my whole family um, to be able to sustain what we've created together. And I, you know, my, my biggest uh, fear would be getting the electricity turned off or something like that, you know, and I, uh, I always encourage my, my family and my um, clients to do as much as they can on auto pay for things that they don't want to lapse out, like their life insurance and their health insurance and things that are really important, you know, making sure your property taxes are paid. You don't want your house to get sold in a, in an auction because you're, you've been in a coma for a month uh, or some on an intubator or something and you missed it. But things happen that are like you say, not fair, right? It's like, it's not fair. I have a really good reason why I'm in this predicament or I'm in this situation, but yet you didn't do the things that would have uh, made, made the worst case scenario, not be the case scenario. Right. So there's so much to learn from your story. I really appreciate you coming on. And I, I know a lot of years have gone by, so it's not as quite as hard, but it, I bet it just never goes away. Right. It's, it's just, it's, that's your story. The example that somebody gave me that I thought was the, the closest to the processing of grief is imagine a box. And when you first lose somebody, there is a ball in that box that touches all sides. And you can very rarely go any lapse of time without being aware that that person is gone. Mm -hmm. And then a little bit of time passes and the ball gets a little bit smaller. And so as it bounces up, down, left, right, side to side, there are times where the ball isn't actually hitting the wall and you don't feel the pain. And then it gets smaller and smaller and smaller. But we know that um, matter doesn't just disappear. So it doesn't matter if it's been, you know, five months, five years or 50 years, if you're struck at the right moment in just the right way. Mm-hmm. For me, if I smell my mom's perfume, mm-hmm. I immediately burst into tears. And I don't think that's ever going to go away because right. 
that was something that was so indelibly her. And I mean, it's not that uncommon of a perfume. I don't think lots of folks wear it anymore, mm-hmm. but you know, in the late nineties, yeah. um, it was, it, it was very, very common. And th- those memories can trigger all of the pain to come back yeah. or they can trigger all of the happiness. Like I, I still remember her laugh. Um, I still remember her teaching me um, and I'll, I'll share with your listeners too. One of the greatest things to ever show a small child yeah. is that snapdragons can talk. If you squeeze the side of a snapdragon flower, it will open and close like this. Mm. And the snapdragon is talking and little kids <laughs> find that absolutely fascinating and then start telling the story of what the snapdragon would say if we could understand what the snapdragon was was saying yeah well that's (laughs) (laughs) yeah that's great that you have that did your mom um you know I know we took a lot of video in those years and you were you know did you grow up with a lot of video no no you didn't have a lot I have I have zero video of her I have three pictures of her yeah. Mm. Not good. Yeah. Does your, does your aunt look and resemble her at all? Or did you see your mom in her at all? Um, they were, they were dissimilar enough that there isn't a ton of resemblance. I'm the spitting image of my mom. Um, mm. unfortunately too, my, my aunt is no longer with us as well. So, oh my, yeah, she passed away several years ago. Well, wow. Was she, she couldn't have been that old either, right? Uh, she had just turned, oh no, math, um, 60 something. Yeah, that's maybe she just turned 60. No, again, math, don't, 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 don't quote me on that one. <laughs> yeah, but I, I resemble that. So it's like, it's all scary when you hear, when you hear people are passing so young, you know, and, um, but thank God for her that she was there um, for you. I think your life would have been way different if your dad would have won out on that with his new wife and all that. You wouldn't have been center in front for them, I don't think. You know what, though? They didn't have any children together. I, you know, I am still his only child. So, you know, I, it's so easy to look back and mm-hmm. wonder what if. And right. it's so easy to look to the future and think, oh, if this just happens, then everything will be okay. But all we really have is the present and just, you know, when you know better, do better and make the most of this moment and then move on to the next moment. It doesn't have to be years. It can just be the next breath. Well, I can see you're very like mature. You were, it probably made you a much more mature individual. It looks like because you had to really pretty much handle a lot. Yeah, that and a, and a good skincare regimen has uh, kept me uh, confusing in order to figure out how old I actually am. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's good. That's good. And you don't have the asthma, I guess. You don't have the asthma, huh? Situation. Oh, no, I'm an asthmatic. Oh, you are too? Yep. Mm, okay. Well, I'm hoping that you have a better medication. Yes. I. Yeah. I the only thing that um, I have in common with uh, my mom's treatment regimen is albuterol as a rescue inhaler. Mm -hmm. Um, But I just, I don't think that they've ever found anything better than that. So yeah. Wow. All right. Well, I certainly appreciate you sharing. This is a a story, as we said in the beginning, we don't want people to repeat if they can get themselves to realize that there is a 
problem if something happened to them that their children or their child would be put into a very bad, potentially bad situation if things aren't set up in advance and their life will turn on a dime as yours did. You had to change schools and you had to make new friends and your dog ran away. And I, oh my gosh, I know. This, this is like, but I know it could have been a lot worse. I mean, you could have ended up in the system and you could have ended, you know, there's so many things that happen to people that are just horrific where they had this wonderful life ahead of them. And then just tragedy struck. Um, from no fault of their own, right? They just are kids. So we just want people to be aware. Yeah. Um, if this story resonates with anybody that's listening and they want to reach out, maybe something similar happened to them. You know, maybe if you've got some, some questions about, you know, what I went through or some of the things that we've talked about today, mm-hmm. I mean, reach out. I, you know, I'm, I'm happy to be a, a friend, a sounding board. I might have some advice mm-hmm. for folks. So Oh, that is nice. And you're, so you have an unusual name. There's not too many of you. So Francesca Vanderwall. Yep. So, okay. Well, thank you. And I just want to mention again, before we um, head off that I do have a website, www.gotittogethernow.com. Check it out because we have a course that will help you to be ready. If you should become ill, if you should have an accident, if you should pass away that you, you take the time now to make sure that you don't cause your family like horrific grief, um, <clears throat> like chaotic grief, not the real kind of grief. You want you want them to grieve because that's just the natural process. You don't want them to grieve and also have to deal with paperwork and courts and attorneys and, and all those bad things that could take your life uh, over, right? Um, so check it out. And um, I just hope this has made a difference for somebody out there. Appreciate you listening and uh, take care. Be safe. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to the Legacy Therapy Podcast. If we hit it out of the park today and you learned at least one new thing to take action on in your own quest to planning the best legacy possible, then be sure to tell your friends, subscribe, and rate and review wherever you get your podcast. The show notes will provide the sites and information that were discussed today. You can get more great tips, resources, and inspiration by visiting our website, LegacyTherapyPodcast.com.